This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. From nj.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Rant. We have a full show. We'll talk some football, Michigan State loss. We'll talk some basketball, 3-0 start to the season. But, I, fellas, I think we needed a new podcast policy effective now. If you win a Big Ten title at Rutgers, we're going to lead off the show with you. And right now, Rutgers is a soccer school. Men's soccer, defeating Indiana, Big Ten title, and Olympico. For the go-ahead goal. I didn't know what that was until 24 hours ago. But now it's I get it. It's huge. Huge deal. The Olympico beating Indiana, which Rutgers owns Indiana in every sport now. Take us through the moment, Fonseca. You were there. What was it? What was it like to that game looked like it was every bit as exciting as as it should be to win a Big Ten championship? It was a tremendous game, uh, for sure. The Olympico is, uh, for people listening that don't know, is when you score a goal off a corner, it's unbelievably rare. Uh, Rutgers just happened to get the wind in its sails, and the ball curled from the corner past the Indiana goalkeeper. He had no idea where the ball was going. Uh, it was a great goal. Crowd went nuts. The kid does a, a cartwheel into a backflip to celebrate it. That was uh, incredible. That was the best That was the best highlight for Rutgers since, I want to say, since Ron Harper Jr. knocking the three against Purdue. It was just a fantastic highlight. It's a lot of swagger from a guy who comes off the bench. Like uh, he he played, I think, 25 minutes, but wow. made the most of it. Uh, for fans that are interested and not soccer historians, look up Nani, go N-A-N-I goal celebrations. Oh uh, he used to do the backflip and was told not to do the backflip anymore. So he backflipped some more. Great Portuguese player. Anyway, 4,200 people in, at your sack field, a really big celebration. And it felt like when you're watching them that Rutgers expected to win this game, which is very strange for to, to think of, of a Rutgers team, but they feel like they belong in this conference. They scored first in the first four minutes. They were able to withstand Indiana equalizing right before halftime and came right out and took the lead, uh, played great on the counter, scored the 3-1 to you know, ensure the win. Uh, this team is legitimately good. This team yeah. is like – this wasn't an, you know, a Cinderella run. This team is legitimately good. And I think they can make a run in the NCAA tournament if they if they keep playing at this level. Um, I, I uh, really enjoyed watching them play. They play, uh, Jim McIlderry says they play a great brand of soccer. I tend to agree. And uh, it seems like he's building a program that could sustain this success for for years to come. Yeah, well, I mean, and it's good. You're right. I think anything's gravy. I guess they play out Brown on Thursday uh, in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it, I, at this point, I have to think that every anything they accomplish from this point on is gravy. 
Pat, when you think about it, though, now, this is the third Big Ten title in two years after or three years, whatever it is, after Rutgers hadn't won a single one in the first seven years of the conference. We are celebrating and we're going to celebrate it with a huge package of uh, content from NJ Advanced Media, the 10 year anniversary of Rutgers joining the Big Ten next week. Uh, and I think we can we can safely say the narrative is dead that Rutgers can't compete in the Big Ten. Team after team is proving that not to be the case. Absolutely. That narrative is so far dead. I thought it was so far dead after last spring when baseball right. was there and lacrosse was there. The Olympic sports that even even the Olympic sports that aren't at Big Ten championship levels yet are still on the rise as well. So that narrative is long gone. Absolutely. It's just football. The driver of the ship has just been so it's just isn't isn't performing at that high level. And until Rutgers football gets to that top tier, that's that's going to be the the black right. stain, I guess. That's what people see. Yeah, they see the lopsided scores on Saturday, and they don't. They certainly don't aren't paying attention to what's happening on a granular level uh, at the Rutgers Athletic Department. But you have to give a lot of credit to to, to Pat Hobbs, hired Jim McNerney. How do you pronounce his name? Another name I'm going to murder on this podcast. McElderry. McElderry. Um, you know, yeah, just another program that that that's been built from the ground up and really doing a nice job. And then, uh, you know, surprising that, you know, women's soccer made the NCAAs for the 11th time, lost their first round game against Brown. I think it says something about the level of your program when it's a surprise that you lose in the first round of the NCAAs, you know, field hockey. I'm all these teams, right? They, they, you know, they're all having great, great years. And it is certainly a sign uh, of the overwhelming success. And again, look for NGA.com. We've got uh, coming tomorrow. We're going to have uh, an enormous uh, story on how Rutgers landed into the Big Ten, going behind the scenes on all the details. You guys helped me with another part of this series uh, that's coming up later in the week about the future of the Big Ten and where Rutgers is going to be uh, in 10 years from now. Just a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff coming on that. So just a little teaser to start the podcast. All right, let's go into football. Michigan State, Gavin, Wimsett, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's close game, probably closer uh, than I would have expected, certainly. And I think the biggest takeaway from East Lansing is that 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 Gavin looked like the quarterback of the future, right? I mean, his numbers were, were very good. Uh, he moved the ball well at the end of the game. Brian, when you're, when you're going through that, looking at the film, I mean, what 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 stuck out to you about his, his, his performance? So I think it's important to couch some context into this. Michigan State's defense was terrible. One of the worst defenses in the Big Ten. And uh, a lot of half of Gavin's production roughly came in the last three minutes. Rutgers is down two scores. It's going to take a miracle comeback. Not to say Michigan State was playing softer defense, but that's a little different right. than doing it in the second half. Still, all that being said, I agree totally that this is his best game so far. It's another step in the right direction. He did not throw an interception. He didn't really come close yeah. other than having a ball batted at the at the line of scrimmage. And, and that, that isn't really on him as much as it is just a, almost a good play from the defense. Made some throws on the run. Ran the ball well, escaped pressure very effectively. Uh, he got sacked three times, but he could have gotten sacked a lot more if yeah. he wasn't as elusive. Bounced back from some bad throws. He's still throwing the ball a little too high at times. It still seems like there's one or two or three passes per game where he's throwing behind a receiver, and it's hard to tell whether there's miscommunication or if he's throwing the ball not accurately. There's, there's still these little kinks to work out, but you see him kind of putting everything together and fixing his mistakes week to week. I, I think, again, he didn't turn the ball over. A huge, huge step for huge. him. Yeah. Uh, so – I think if you're watching that and that's your main take focus, you feel really good about where Gavin Wimsett's progression is going. And you hope that against a better defense this Saturday in Penn State, he could take another step forward. And again, most importantly, not throw an interception. Yeah. And I, I thought the, the biggest thing that you mentioned there was the ability to, to step out and, and avoid the rush because that's something that 
obviously with with the offensive line still very much a work in progress and even uh, even though they shuffled the the names and certainly the running game was better pass protection was, was left a lot to be desired the fact he can do that and still make a good decision after facing the rush is enormous that's a big step the pat i mean what when you when you looked at what they did in the running game being able to gain the yards with Manangai, uh it was really impressive too i mean that that's a good sign for for the offense again i know michigan state bad rushing defense but still a good a team that we would consider a good big 10 team a great sign and the stat that i wrote in my article was like it's crazy they said a big 10 the most rushing yards they've ever rushed for against a big 10 team and lost yeah that's amazing like, come on like you wouldn't have bet that it's a good point it's a very good point that that was brutal but they opened holes Monungai was really as brian pointed out in the film review good after contact as well grand mm-hmm. tough finally after averaging was 1.55 yards per game against minnesota and michigan they finally had their best rushing game of the season. So Penn State will be tough, but that was obviously a sign in the right direction. I do want to add that. So I did dog the Michigan defense for being bad, but I do want to make a point that just because they're bad doesn't automatically assume that Rutgers is going to have a good offensive game. I do think it's worth noting that when they play these bad defenses, Indiana, Michigan State, they are having production, right? Because right. if they're if they're a bad team, if this was a Chris Ash team, they would still not have that production. So this was a program that had single digit yards and passing yards in games in the not too distant past. So uh, we can certainly remember that. Um, all right, so there are a couple of things that, that took that obviously got a lot of attention from us. Uh, a lot of attention on the Big Ten Network. Again, you guys were there. Sometimes, sometimes when you're watching a game on TV, you're you're not really at the game. You don't feel like you feel like you don't get it. You're not getting it. Uh, this was the rare opposite where I thought watching the end of the first half on TV, it just allowed you to kind of see what was unfolding there. And I really did think that the clock management was a little screwy. Uh, and the more I felt about the entire game, I thought this might be Greg Shiano's uh, worst on the sidelines since he's been back. But, but for me, the egregious, the egregious point was 90 seconds. You have to ball at the 25, three timeouts left. I get it. I mean, I, you freshman quarter, I get all of these things, but and to the point you asked this question to him, Brian, the, the, the point that really, when I thought about it even more, the idea that you wouldn't at least try to move the ball there in a situation where it could be a building block for your own young quarterback. The only, the only thing you hope to gain out of these last four games is having Gavin Wimpsett get experience. That's a situation where your quarterback's got to be, got to learn how to, to, to operate. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I understand his point that, they're not worried about developing a quarterback during a game. They're just trying to win a game. And if you're trying to win the game, uh, he would rather go into halftime holding a seven-point deficit than risk, you know, while you could risk and score to tie the game, you could also throw an interception, give away a pick six, and suddenly it's a 14-point game and out of reach. But yes, it goes to what is the objective of the last three games. If your objective is to develop Gavin Wimsett, if that's your main objective, this is a perfect opportunity for him in relatively low low leverage situation to get that two minute drill he got a two minute drill at the end of the game but the game's pretty much already done there's no real risk there right so right. I, yeah I th- it's a missed opportunity that's what i asked him i think it's a missed opportunity he just does not see it that way that's no not the way he viewed the situation which uh which fair enough i guess right and you don't have to throw a dangerous pass i mean you've got a running back who i mean how many 20 yard runs did Manunga have in that game right i mean you've got a running back who can shown cap- capable of, of knocking someone down and, and getting and getting big yards you've got three timeouts pat i don't know i mean do they you don't throw that? screens steve what do you they want me to tell screens. you they, they cannot throw a screen to the running back the one pass that did go to the running back on that drive was a check down emergency yeah. throw. They, they cannot call a screen as that one texter pointed out we still have not seen a screen pass thrown since that and that was five weeks ago yeah, uh, it's 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 crazy. 
I know. That's what you do in a two-minute drill. And Aaron, and Aaron Young's the guy who'd be most likely to catch a screen too. Yeah, and he's back. And he was on the field. field. He was on the field. Yeah, I don't know. I just and again, like I, 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 I wonder, and I understand what happened at the beginning of that. You got the ball at the eleven-yard line. You, you then, then certainly, I totally understand just trying to get the hell out of there without giving up, giving up more points. Um, and then you see Shiano's talking to Corsack on the field. I think he's mapping out the punt scenario when they get the first down. So I don't know if it wasn't related to him, if they, if they didn't get get it to him quick enough that the situation had changed. I don't know. He said it didn't. It, it still, it just didn't, it didn't look great. And uh, I get it. It's not the reason why they lost the game. The reason why they lost the game, and we'll talk about that now, 14 penalties. You pointed it out in your film review today, Brian. There are now 130th in pe- penalties average the game at 8.7. I don't have to tell you who number 131 is. Uh, that team does not exist. They're dead last. Is there a common theme here? I mean, we ask about, we ask channel about it every week and and I I don't, I I just can't put my finger on what, what the problem is. Any idea what the problem is? I I knew I'd probably be on the staff fixing the issue. I I think, I think it's (laughs) common. He'd hire you right now to to get you out of these press conferences when you're asking these questions too. Yeah, maybe probably (laughs) get get him. Great. Get him. Send in your resume. I think I think it's a combination probably of coaching, right? They don't have a special teams coach, and I don't know a dedicated special teams coach, I should say. And I don't know how much that is playing to the fact they seem to commit an offside on every kick on a kickoff at least once every game. It's a very strange situation that I, I don't have the time or patience to go through every team's game logs, but I have to imagine if Rutgers doesn't lead the nation in special teams penalties, they got to be up there in the top ten. That's right. the one thing. There's a lot of young guys on the special teams. He pointed this out. The fact they're so thin at linebacker, that's a position that where you usually have you know players doubling up at linebacker and at special teams. They're so thin they can't do that, so they're playing a lot of freshmen. Freshmen tend to make mistakes, so that might be playing into it. The offensive line is getting beat a lot, and they're holding yeah. a lot. It seems like Ireland Brown, the center, has a false start at least once a game. That's a recurring issue. So it just seems like these, these small little things seem to add up. And just you know, right. situational awareness, wide receivers holding when the running back has already passed them. You know, they, they just all of it adds up. There's no one common thread, but just little things that are kind of uh, uh, all, all happening at once. Yeah, I'll, I think add, so. I'll add one thing, Brian. There, there were untimely penalties in that game too for the first time this season too. Like that pass interference on Avery Young in the end zone was was crushing in the first half. Then you had like this Sean Ryan offensive pass interference late in the third quarter that was another untimely one and Kenny Fletcher's roughing the passer was just so untimely those are three just yeah killer penalties that were undisciplined undisciplined and, and that comes back to coaching right the Avery Young call is a crap call though I don't I, I, I agree I completely agree I, I completely agree but yeah that's, a, that's the one right the other <laughs> you can't complain you can't complain of your records because that's only one of the 13 uh, the hold on the, the late touchdown that was the backup center. It was, you know, that that's that that that's a tough one. Um, yeah, I mean, there there were a lot of them. You're absolutely right. It was just uh, just too many of them. I felt like the entire game was just one flag after another, and it just looks yeah. it just kind of looks bad. Fooch, the the radio sideline announcer for the for the radio show did point out of on, on one of the Michigan State touchdowns, Aaron Lewis just got completely turned around and held so so terribly but no flag was called on that one so they were saying that maybe the officiating was was not as good uh as it should have been but right. that that was a very uh <laughs> when this is very, the kind of day uh, when you when you miss conspiracy Ray, theorist type you miss ray there. lucas in the and the radio in the radio team and one of those because he he certainly would have yeah would have uh would have gone crazy um 
All right, good start to the show. Let's dive in. I only got like five or six uh, true false this week because we've got so much other stuff to talk about, but five or six good ones. So let's go. All right, true or false? Nunzio Campanillo will be the full-time offensive coordinator next year. Has anything changed this week to last week? Brian, true or false? They will evaluate at the end of the season. So nothing changes week to week. False. Will, will be, but will be. What do you think he will be? False. False, false. Okay, Pat? I think true. And I think they want him to be. They want him to succeed. I'm with you there. I'm not quite. I'm not quite ready to say that it's going to happen, but I think it's trending in that direction. So I'm going to say false, but trending positively for Nunzio. True or false? This one you knew was coming. Greg Shiano needs to hire a special teams coordinator. After. True. Do you think so? Yeah. True. True. Yeah. They have true, every true. other. Right. They have a million coaches. Why not? If uh, that, I more? come back to that, yeah. And I don't. And again, I don't know if it was if if it was on oversight because he was dealing with the punting situation next. But it's why not? Uh, true or false? Crashing the victory formation is bush league crap. <laughs> Loaded question. What do you think, Brian? Is true or false? What level of what level are you willing to go with that? I think you're trying to get me in trouble. I'm but... trying. I will get you in trouble. True. True. Pat, how do you feel about that? You play to win the game. False. No, oh, I love it. You're going to be on the staff, not Brian. Uh, it's true. I'm just tired of it. I hate talking. I just, I'm just done with it. All right. True or false. The next school to win a Big Ten title at Rutgers will be, I'm sorry, next team to win a Big Ten title at Rutgers will be men's lacrosse. Brian, true or false? It's tough. I'll say false only because they're, Maryland is the best team in the country. It's, it's all, their, their Rutgers lacrosse might be the best Olympic sports team at the school, but the team they're trying to beat is just an absolute juggernaut. All right, Pat. That's a great point, Brian. I'm going to say false as well. Yeah, I picked a bad example. False. So- soccer, You're like women's soccer probably. Or some- yeah. So not not this spring? You don't think there's another one coming this spring? Women's yeah. lacrosse? Base- baseball brings so many people back, right? So Baseball? What is the – yeah, I mean, they got they got hose last year. What's, what's the – I mean, yeah, that could be baseball. forgot would, about that. It would be baseball. I would not bet on women's lacrosse. They have a similar situation of, of absolute Maryland. juggernaut. Maryland, yeah. Northwestern, juggernauts in that right. conference. Right. All right, baseball. We're putting money on baseball. Tell baseball. Griffin Wimmer to get the notes ready. We're all, all, all going to be there in a couple months. All right, and finally, true or false, Rutgers is 3-0 and in basketball, but there is room for some concern. Fonseca, are you concerned about basketball? True or false? Uh, I did not watch the game on Sunday, on Saturday, rather. So I, I will, for one of the two first two games I saw, uh, the answer will be false. Okay, Pat. I can't even remember if this is how how you phrase this question to answer it, true or false. But there is no concern. Is you have no answer. concern. All right, no I concern. think there is concern. I'm gonna go. Let's talk. Let's go right to that. I think it's true only because I mean, you know, if if you're if you two of your bet your two of your three best players are not. On the court, Paul McKay didn't play in the second half of the UMass Lowell win. Uh, Caleb McConnell still hasn't played. I know we're not supposed to be worried about that one. That Steve Peichel thinks he's close. It's still a little bit of a, okay, well, now you got the real team. You got Temple coming up here, and they're a real team soon. So, I mean, you got to – I'm not saying they'd be the end of the world. They lost to Temple, but still, I'm I'm, I'm a little wor- – I'm a little uh, curious to see what's going on with those injuries. Brian, do we have any updates? I got nothing for you. Um okay. It doesn't seem like either of them are long-term, which we've been saying for a while now. I think Temple will be very telling. I think if Caleb McConnell does not play against Temple, it would be some alarm bells ringing. Right. Uh, it seemed like that was a target uh, for a while now. Uh, and Paul Mulcahy, if he doesn't play against Temple, it might be a so- shoulder injury that is more longer-term than expected because uh, he played through it the first couple games. 
maybe they didn't think it was worth risking him against UMass Lowell, but they risked him against Sacred Heart. So I don't know. I think, t- again, Saturday, we'll, I- I'm expecting to sp- speak to Steve Peichel at some point this week so we could ask him. Yeah. I don't expect many updates in that conversation. But Saturday, when we take the court at Mohegan Sun and get to see where they are, I think that'll be really telling about the long term of both those injuries. That said, I and I... I... <laughs> I have liked what I saw. I mean, I liked the opener. Again, it was, a, it was a, you know, Columbia bad Ivy League team, but there's just a lot. The pieces there are there, you know. I and mean, I, I, we talked about Derek Simpson. He really is impressive the way he, he he gets in the lane, distributes the ball. He's quick. He's shifty. I don't know that they've had a guy like that. Jacob he, Young. It, Jacob Young, yeah, but I mean, Jacob Young was not exactly what you would call a, a, a unselfish passer. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I, I think he's got a load of potential. I'm interested to see because he's still a smaller dude. Interested to see how he does against you know bigger guards on good teams. But I mean, that's an impressive start. I mean, what else? What else are we looking at here, Brian? That you liked when you saw from this team? I liked the way Andre Hyatt uh, kind of took advantage of his opportunity with Caleb McConnell out. Uh, he entered the starting lineup, had two double doubles in the first two games. I think he scored double figures against UMass Lowell as well. Uh, so it's not just you know one off. He's playing very well in the opportunities he's getting. Uh, I'm not sure if that'll translate to more minutes once everyone is healthy, but I do think it's a good sign for he will be able to fulfill that role that we talked about on the preview podcast last week, that he can get off the bench, play 10 minutes or 15 minutes and give you good quality minutes uh, and give you that depth, which I think Rutgers needs some proven depth off the bench. Uh, I like Cam Spencer. I think he was very impressive uh, the way he shot the ball. I think his defense, again, the jury's still out if he can guard quick, Big Ten guards, but he gets into passing lanes. He's very active with his hands. He forces a lot of steals. Uh, he plays hard, and uh, I think he has he has he has a bit of a a bit of attitude to him in a good way. A bit of competitive juice to him that kind of permeates through the team, and it seems like the rack is starting to like him. So uh, those yeah. two guys really stood out to me. And Spencer's more than you know. He's not the one dimensional player either. You thought he was going to be a good shooter, but he, he's got more game than just that. I mean, it, it, you're absolutely right with him. Uh, and they're hitting foul shots. What are we going to do all winter? What, what are we going to do if we can't ask Steve Peichel about his free throw shooting? I mean, what this is going mean, it's going to be crazy if they're good. This is a good free throw shooting team. It's going to like just, just get a hammer and start pounding nails. Steve. Start pounding nails. Get myself a t shirt. Let's like, Rothstein's store. Let's like get two ahead of ourselves. They shot 50% from the line on the first against Columbia. So let's wait till the sample size gets to 10 games. Then we can start discussing the quality of the free throw shooting. You and your sample size, you and your Ken Palm and, and, and analytics here. All right. That's fair. Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Knights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. Uh, all right, let's dive into some insider questions. We've got some more basketball questions in there as well. So, uh, all right, here's one for football. Very simple. What happened to the great defense that we saw in the first half of the season? Um and the defense wasn't great. I mean, it's as simple as losing one of your. You know, we nearly, we knew they only, they only had two good linebackers. Deion Jennings, one of them, only played a couple snaps against Michigan State. Is it as simple as that, Brian? Or is there more to this defensive problem? Well, I mean, they're playing better teams as well. Uh, the first six teams they played, the only good well, one was Ohio yeah. State. 
uh, you know, and then they're playing Michigan. Michigan State is terrible defensively, but they're decent offensively. So that that's part of it. Uh, I do think they're starting to wear down. It's the tenth game of the season, uh, like you said. Depth is not there at linebacker, so you know you lose it. You lose Deion Jennings. You lose a big part of that. What makes that defense good? Uh, the defensive line has not been playing as well. Again, they're playing against better offensive lines, right? So uh, I think all those factors come together. But I think the biggest thing is just the talent level of who they're playing is a lot higher because Temple, Boston College, Wagner, all rank like in the bottom 25 in most offensive categories. So while, whereas, you know, the Michigans, the Ohio States, the, the Minnesotas, they all rank fairly high. So it's just a different level. All right. Question about special teams. Please discuss special teams woes, especially the penalties and the high number of offsides on kickoffs, which is rare, but it's happened at least five times a season uh, and attributed. And it's just attributable to the lack of a special teams coordinator. Pat, we talked about it. You know, let's, let's be fair though. They have blocked, and blocked a couple punts. They returned one for a touchdown against Michigan. Uh, that's got to be part of the equation too. They're still yeah. good at uh, a certain they things. The best punter team. in the country. They have the best punting outfit in, in the, the history, history of football. Sorry, of sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> that's right. That's true like, too. Don't so, lose track of the, of the fact that their right. special teams. Even Jude McAtamney has been a re- like really steady, solid kicker. Right. Like special teams is really still a strength, but it's yeah. the infuriating little things that should never happen under Shiano. That's what he hangs his hat on, and yeah. here we are. Talking yeah, about exactly. Winnie Dyer, special teams coordinator. It's crazy. <laughs> it is a bit of an overreaction. Now that you put it that way, but he was talking. Mean, just when you see him talking to his punter there on the end of the first uh, first half situation, it's like, shouldn't someone else be talking to Corsak? I mean, believe me, Corsak is a very interesting man. I would love to talk to him under most situations about golf or about Australian rules football, but it just seemed like a weird time to be having a long, lengthy conversation. Anyway, yeah, is I think to the point. Is that a hint? Is that a hint that Corsak is going to be the next off- uh, special teams coordinator? Wow. How about Wait, that? And he's mentoring Flynn Appleby. So he already is kind of a coach. Man, he's the kind of guy I could see that just would stay around forever, right? He could be like a, you know, I, I like it. That's a great idea. If he doesn't get, if he doesn't, I mean, first, obviously go to the NFL and see if he can make some money. But if he doesn't, good hire. I love it. That's a great idea. All right. More questions. Football. Uh, my, my apologies for a pessimistic question. Uh, all the recent power five coaches hired after Shiano and the 2020 to 2022 cycles. There are really some successful teams on that list. He points out Illinois, Duke, Washington state. Well, Rutgers is still under 500. Can you convince me that Rutgers will not be a bottom five power five team for the foreseeable future? Wow. That is very pessimistic. Uh, yeah, I can. I, th- I mean, I think there's a lot of young players in this team. I think the schedule is easier next year. I don't, I don't see why this can't be a bold team next year. Am I wrong, guys? Do you, I mean, do you do you think this is going to be a bottom feeder? I I agree with you, Steve. I agree with you. There, it's just not this year. Uh, you're 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 right about the future. Just a little bit of patience, and some of these teams you have to think about their schedule too. Like Duke and the ACC. Come on, you know, it's just, right. Illinois just as well. Yeah, Illinois is not a fair comparison. I mean, right. The, the Big Ten East is just so much harder than the West. Look at the West. I mean, Rutgers should have beaten Nebraska, right? Uh, Ohio State's going to get Northwestern. Yeah. It's just different. This might be Michigan's best team. I mean, right. I know didn't look at it, but but an Ohio State, not be- Michigan, not Michigan's best team. Jim Harbaugh's best team at Michigan. Ohio State, you know, they're, they're Ohio State. Who the hell? I mean, it's it's tough. Those two. Penn are, State is going to be incredible. Yeah. So, I guess that, that to your point, it's no power for the foreseeable future. 
we don't see that one. Rutgers uh, basically beat all the teams they should have beat this year, except for maybe Nebraska. Nebraska I mean, I would that's brief. the one. That's the one. Also, I think what gets lost in this conversation is people see having see coaches having success elsewhere and assume they'll come to Rutgers and have the same level of success. There's no guarantee that Lance Lightbold or uh, Brett Bielma or uh, any of these guys would come into Rutgers. And, and we've seen what happens when guys don't fit culturally here. Uh, not yep. to say that they wouldn't have success. I'm just saying it's not a shoe in that if Brett Bielma was the head coach at Rutgers, they would be number 16 in the playoff rankings and having the same success as Illinois. It's not, you know, it's not plug and play. There's a lot of factors that play into these things. Right. Uh, all right. One one quick shout out to Richard Huss uh, on, our, on our insider who thinks that uh, NCAA should change the rule to make that quarterback kneel downs is not legal. That would be a way to stop Shiano from doing it. I'm not sure we, much more we can add to that discussion. Uh, all right. You want to do basketball questions next or soccer questions? You, you choose. One second. Where you want to go? Well, which one do you want to deal with more? Whichever. I know you guys aren't big on the soccer talk, but I'm happy. Right, to- no, let's go soccer. Let's do some soccer. Is soccer winning the first Big Ten title for Rutgers enough to make up for a lackluster football season? I think it's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, sure, it depends what your perspective is. If you want to see Rutgers win, why wouldn't you love the soccer team? Uh, But if you're a season ticket holder for football, probably not. What do you think? I think that for a majority of Rutgers fans, it's football is the most important thing. Men's basketball is a fun, a fun distraction into winter and they have fun watching that season. And any other Olympic sport is cool when they win, but otherwise they kind of tune them out. So I don't think a men's soccer title completely erases any of football's issues. I do think yeah. it's a nice feel-good story for people to get over the football loss on Saturday. Uh, but I think for the majority of fans, it's kind of just a neat Sunday deal and that will, people will forget by Tuesday. Another, I think it adds more clout to that original point you brought up before about Rutgers doesn't mm-hmm. belong in the Big Ten. Just that makes it really cool to be a Rutgers fan to say, you know what? Screw you guys. We just won the Big Ten in something after yeah, yeah. so many years of struggling. Of course. All right, another question. Everyone from outside focuses on football because it drives the bus. But has Hobbs gotten the credit he deserves for elevating the Olympic sports at Rutgers? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, probably the answer is no. He is he's certainly done a lot to the overall infrastructure to make those teams more successful. In fairness, he did not hire Mike O'Neill. He did not hire Scott Goodale, who are two of the more successful Olympic sports coaches by far. He did hire yeah, he, yep. It, Yep. Another good point. Yep. Uh, he did hire, uh, they did make the men's soccer hire and that, so that that's, he deserves credit for that. Certainly. Uh, what do you think overall of that one? He also hired Steve Owens baseball. He did indeed. He got a big wet kiss at the end of last season. I think uh, if, if I remember correctly, a lot of praise for what he did in the spring sports when they were so successful. Yeah. yeah. Rutgers is, is having success across the board. It's the yeah. only way to say it. Uh, I do think still that the only thing that matters, if we're being completely honest here, is football (laughs) and men's basketball. That's the thing. You can win a million men's soccer, women's soccer, field hockey. For the general sports fan, football is all that matters, which I know a lot of people won't like to hear. It's the truth. Right. And he now, I mean, did, he did hire Steve Peichel. So he, he gets credit for that. Yes. Right. That huge, huge credit for that. And, and that, built that, the practice facility that is enabled. Yeah. So that's the, the that's success as well. So, yes. Yes. Not to be Debbie Downer. That's a fair point. And I do right. think men's basketball is secondary to, to football. Absolutely. And it's, you've seen what it's done for the department, for the school, for its name in the Big Ten. Absolutely. I just do think that if there's any sport that gives you success and clout and all these great things, it's football. Steve, you did a great article about fundraising and NIL and why why the athletic department is is segmented from the the collective and things like that. 
maybe that's one area that you can say negatively about Pat Hobbs, right? Like why, what, what went on there? And uh, you know, is Rutgers doing enough from that perspective? Yeah. I mean, that's an entirely another issue that that's going to be, we're going to see how big it is come December uh, or January when the transfer portal really gets going for football. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's something is not because he's not working on it, but yeah, it's, that's gonna that's gonna come up again. That's gonna be just how well Rutgers is positioned for the new world order, and that's gonna be one of Pat Hobbs's biggest jobs. There's no question. So I think that one is still a work in progress. I'm not sure you can give him a grade on that just yet. Uh, all right, one more, uh, a couple more soccer. Let's just roll with soccer. We love it. With regards to Miss Soccer, love the amount of New Jersey talent on the team. Having the Union and Red Bulls academies to draw from appears to be an advantage. Fonseca, is this true? Uh, and I and I guess that's a great point. Why? I mean, you would think that New Jersey would certainly be. Oh boy, this is just putting this in. This is a question. I'm just serving right up from from Soccer Town USA's own Brian Fonseca to answer. It, go ahead, just take take it away. So I learned yesterday that Nico Rosamilia, who's a reserve midfielder for Rutgers, his father was an assistant coach at Carney High School for 11 years under the great Billy Galka and John Miller. So there is a Soccer Town USA connection on this team, which is lovely for everyone to know. Um, yes, I do think that those things have helped significantly. Uh, their star- freshman goalkeeper, Kieran Dalton, New York 18 years old. Yeah, 18 gosh. years old. Played through the flu. Last two, ga- last two games of the tournament. Really? Played through the flu. Wow. Yes. Could not speak to us. Barely speak to us after the game because his voice was so hoarse from he having was the flu. fantastic, too. That's great. Wow. He was tremendous. He was the reason, one of the bigger reasons they won the tournament. Yeah. He was tremendous. He fixed a big problem they had. Maybe not a big problem, but a problem area they had last year. Uh, he's been huge. Uh, MD Myers, the transfer from High Point. Philadelphia Union product. Delran native. Uh, Carly Lloyd's hometown uh he was huge this season maybe the best striker in the big 10 uh he didn't score in the tournament but he played incredibly well i was very impressed watching him jackson temple one of the first recruits that jim Jim mcelderry brought the philly union product so just a lot of guys local towns uh tommy deviso fifth year captain scotch plains product a lot of guys from local towns who wanted to come to Rutgers represent this represent their state uh, they got a huge crowd of the New Jersey community into the stands at Eurosac Field, and they showed the potential of what could happen at Rutgers when you bring a lot of kids from a state that's talent-rich, put them at Rutgers, give them good coaching, give them facilities, and uh, see what they can do. And obviously, they've won a championship. So uh, I think uh, it's a blueprint for a lot of teams at Rutgers, and I think that's what fans have been clamoring for for so long. This yeah. is an example of what happens when things go well and all those uh, yeah. all those factors come together. Women's soccer was the same way last year. Absolutely. College Cup team built exclusively on New Jersey players. All right, one last soccer question. CJ from Baskin Ridge. You'll love this one, Landy. He, he says, how much would Fonseca rather cover football, a.k.a. soccer, than American football or basketball? This is a great question. I know the answer. I know more than fo- American football. Basketball is kind of your sport. If you had a choice to cover full-time, you could be our full-time soccer writer. Would you do it? I don't think so because soccer is my favorite sport to watch and be a fan of. And it's the last like crumb of fandom mm-hmm. I have for anything. So mm-hmm. I just wouldn't be able to enjoy it the way I do now. Um, I, I do think it's the best sport in the world, the most beautiful sport. And uh, I don't think I would pick it over anything to watch. But to cover professionally, I am fine with the occasional Big Ten tournament and it being the, being all of it. There you go. All right. Good answer. All right. A couple of basketball questions. Then we got to jump to uh, other things. Uh, are Dean Reber's minutes limited due to injury or did Wolfhook take his spot? Alex from Freehold wants to know. And a related question. How much do you think Hyatt Spencer and Simpson's strong play can carry into better competition? What about Reber, Brian? What's going on with him? So Steve Michael said after, I believe the, the exhibition against Fairfield, he was asked because Dean 
played, I think, one shift of two minutes. And he said Dean is fine. Dean missed time in the summer with a foot injury, and he came back uh, to practice, I think, you know, a couple weeks before the season. So I have to imagine that it's still lingering, and they don't want to risk uh, playing him in these games, right? I don't think if he was fully healthy that Wolfolk had already passed him on the depth chart because you saw what Dean Reber did last year. You saw he the contributions he can make. Uh, he's more veteran, and I think they don't need Wolfolk's size against Columbia and Sacred Heart, right? I have to think that, yes, injury is playing a part. As for Spencer and uh, Hyatt and who was the other one, uh, Simpson? Simpson, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's tough to know when this will tra- if this will translate over to better competition just yet. I, I'm really trying not to take any big you know, make any big uh, takeaways from, from these first three games because, again, UMass Lowell was fine. The first two teams were tomato cans, as we mentioned last week. I just, uh, I think Rutgers did what they had to do, beat the brakes off them. They moved on. Mm-hmm. They got a win. But there's no big picture takeaways to push this forward right. to the Big Ten. There's going to be struggles. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's obvious. It's just, they're fresh, well, freshmen. I'm not Spencer, but the other, I mean, they're, they're the, the young guys are going to have struggles in the Big Ten. I think that's probably, that's probably uh, being an understatement. All right, quick wrestling question for you, Pat. Um, Brian Soldano might be the most exciting wrestler I've ever seen, but I'm getting worried about the quality of development happening at Rutgers outside of Ashnault and Suriano. All the other prize recruits come in and get worse each year. Uh, Goodell's b- built the consistent program, but do we need cha- a change to get us over the hump or should we be okay with relative mediocrity, Josh? In Arlington, Virginia, oh, bring, oh. bring in the heat. I didn't see that coming this morning when I logged on for the questions. Uh, what do you think? Wow. I don't think he's asking for a change in coach. That's a fireball. I don't think, I don't think he's asking fireball. for us to fire Scott Goodale on the podcast, but uh, is there something going on to de- developmentally in this program? No, I think uh, actually Rutgers as a team is going to be really set. I was telling Brian this on the plane, uh, plane ride home, like Rutgers is going to be so deep the next two years that almost everyone's back next year, you know, without the transfer portal or potential for that. And they actually have lineup problems. They have too, too many good guys at certain weights really? right now that, wow. It's it's fascinating, um, specifically on Saldano is one of them. So you have Saldano and John Poznanski, who was an All American as a freshman at 184. So you have this this the two best guys on the team at the same weight class. One of them is going to have to redshirt. It's it's a crazy situation, but that's like kind of up and down the lineup that you're seeing this. So I don't think it's a development problem. I think they're just maybe um, I think a year or two away from being like a legitimate Big Ten like beating not beating but competing with a penn state iowa being right, right there at the top it is i see striking me wrestling is a different sport too like it's it's hard to you get the top guys are the top guys you know they never lose that's why saldano is saldano is kind of that unique guy that could be the next ncaa champion at Rutgers yeah. because he is so unique like it just comes with talent that necessarily right. developments it's just like you said different sport all right. Great job with the questions. That was a fun round today. Thank you for NJ Insider, all of your comments during the games this week. All right. Can we dive into pr- predictions here? I, I mean, I think, I think, Pat, are you, are you ready to surrender that we've lost? We, <sighs> that it's that garbage lost. time touchdown. Garbage time. <laughs> it was foot. It's my fault too, because I text, I texted the group, our little group chat, and I was like, oh, it looks like a cover for us. And sure enough, fourth and 29, Gavin Wimsett just throws the beautiful pass right to Shameen Jones. Oh, yep. That's why uh, That's why I don't gamble much. All right. So I, I'm definitely toast. I cannot win. You can, I guess, I, I don't know. You can tie. Fonseca, I think you've got it, though. Congratulations. Even though you picked Rutgers to win, they did cover. So that's that's all we care about. 
the listeners can't see, but I'm patting myself on the back. Yeah, patting yourself on the back. <laughs> I, I am I'm the world's worst gambler, except when it comes to making uh, bets against the spread on Rutgers. If yeah, only New Jersey yeah. could legalize it, maybe I could become a billionaire without playing the Powerball. <laughs> there you go. All right, Penn State minus 20. Is that the line we've seen? It opened yeah. at 18, and then I think it moved to 19. It might be 20 at this point. All right, I saw 20. Let's round it up to an even 20. Sure. Um, yeah, you're, you're still the leader, so go ahead. What do you got? Yeah, I think uh, Penn State is just uh, – I don't think they're as good as Ohio State and Michigan are this year, but I still think they're in that upper tier of the Big Ten. I still think they have a lot more talent across the board than Rutgers, and I think that uh, they will have a relatively easy win. Uh, they always seem to play close games against Rutgers, so I don't think it will be a blowout, uh, but I think they'll win relatively comfortably. I'll go Penn State 21, Rutgers – Oh, so you're do, picking cover. the cover. You're doing the cover again, though, are you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Pat? You, know, you know Fonseca is a stat man. When he picks 10, <laughs> 10. I'm going to tell you why. Why? Rutgers has not scored more than 10 points against Penn State since they joined the Big Ten. Is that right? I'm, I'm almost positive. Wow, that's right. The 13-10 game the first year, right, when Gary Nova threw... 13 interceptions. I remember that. Yeah. Good point. Okay. So huh. Fonseca, I know, I know he know. I knew he knew. I know he knew that. I know he knew that. I swear to God. I swear to God. Yeah, he did know that. Absolutely. He knew it. All right. What do you got? What do you got, Pat? I mean, listen, all year long, I was telling you Rutgers is going to beat Penn State. All year long. This was my upset pick. Okay. I am not going to back down. <laughs> what happened to throw not with the Cheriton? What happened? in the Raritan? What Come happened? on, the Polity plunge. <laughs> I can't let you off the hook now. <laughs> All right. Can we get this on the record that if Rutgers <laughs> shocks Penn State, Polity takes the plunge? Absolutely. I will. Yes, I will go. I will go into the deep part of the Raritan. I'm hurt. I've been told it's a shallow river, which is something else I learned this year when I talked about jumping into the Raritans. So I guess it's a current, the current high currents in this river. I don't know. Anyway, I'm in the Raritan. If they win, you got it. Let's go. All right. All right. Rutgers upset win. 21-20. 21-20 victory. I love it. All right. Get my Speedos on. I'm going in the Raritan. I'll go in the other direction because it's too easy not to. I'll go 31-7 to Penn State win. Their defense is very good. And uh, Rutgers is still figuring things out. I don't think they'll be able to run the ball as well as they did, certainly against Michigan State. But, hey, I'm rooting for the opposite. I'd like to go swimming. All right. Any other thoughts? We should should walk around the Hale Center this week just to make sure your face is in all the walls, reminding the kids that if they win this game, this guy, you have to watch this guy dive into the river. Because if there's one thing I've learned about young people is that they're really, really interested in what 50 year old dudes have to say on podcasts. That's one thing if, I've learned. If yeah. you had to pick which two Rutgers players got to throw you in the Raritan, who would you oh, pick? Well, I would, I would really be honored if Adam Corsak would just <laughs> kick, kick, punt me into the Raritan. That would be the greatest honor of my of my career if I could, you know, and just roll, just roll down to the down to the edge and just land perfectly right there in the water, of course, because it would, he wouldn't punt me directly into the middle of the Raritan. He would want, you know, a good, good field position punt at the edge of the Raritan. It's poetic. It's poetic, poetic for right. senior day as well. Yep. I would, that's right. Senior day. It's good. That's uh, a good point. Forgot all about that. The boardwalk is going to have an ice rink. I learned today. So that'll be, that'll be interesting. Uh, what do we where get crowd wise? Where do you get all these scoops from with the boardwalk? You got one every week. You got the I listen. I listened to Carlin and Legrand before the press conference today, 
that they were talking about it. The press conference, which you know, you you were the star of that press conference. Let's tell, I'll be completely honest there. But beforehand, before and star, it, apparently Lanny was getting ner- nervous for you, which I love. That that makes me happy that the, that the team, that the team, the guy asking the hard questions is. His colleague is getting nervous for him. That's great. I know you saw our 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 uh, it went viral actually our video from the airport at four thirty in the morning. I did see that. Yes, that went viral. How many people watched that? Like 12? it had uh, thirty one likes. Thirty one likes. Outstanding. Oh baby. Three thirty start. Get that news out there from Detroit Fort Wayne Airport. Good stuff. All right, guys. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. Anything else? Do we forgot? No. Good. We're good. Women's soccer out. We talked about that. We talked about everything else. Big Ten projects. One Ten. more. Plug. Oh, that's one more plug. Starting tomorrow, our first part of our Big Ten series. I really think you guys are going to like this one. Talk to everybody involved. Tim Pernetti, Jim Delaney, about the the how that deal went down. It's a story we did not tell at the time. Ten years later, we finally have an opportunity to tell it. I'm really excited about it. I think you guys will be too. And then after that, we have like a bunch of other stories coming too about uh, the ten year anniversary. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, I will sign off until next week. Steve Politi, Pat Lanny, Brian Fonseca. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Devco and everybody else. Enjoy the week. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.